0: Hello, welcome to the Paddock Pass Podcast. My name is David Emmett from Motor Matters. With me is Neil Morrison from Road Racing World and Crash.net. Hi David, thanks for having me here. It's been a good race weekend.
1: It has been a good race race weekend, yeah. And say looking back MotoGP race was probably the dullest race of the year, but I still think that threw
0: up some interesting talker points. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's the trouble. I mean, I, I think uh, 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 Jorge Lorenzo's tragedy is that whenever he wins, um, it looks boring, whereas um, the actual uh, feat itself is just spectacular and fantastic. Yeah, it has to be appreciated. I mean, the, the best way to appreciate a Lorenzo riding is to go down stand trackside and watch it, but um, otherwise, it's just not that. But uh, yeah, anyway, easy win for him. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say a pretty
1: straightforward win. Um, Mark looked like he could put up a bit of a challenge in the opening six six laps, perhaps, um, but it soon became apparent that it was just going to be a Harreth type scenario where. You know, Lorenzo was able just to keep that consistency, and no one really had an answer for him. Um, So yeah, I'd say it was it was probably his his most comfortable win of the year.
0: Yeah, 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 agreed. And it was another one where um, uh, he led by getting away at the first corner and leading every uh, every single lap.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Five races, I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah, which is a, a feat that I'm sure Dr. Martin Rees would mm. be interested to, to look up in his database um, whether five races have been won from start to finish in, in a single year. But um, yeah, it was it was a pretty strict. Well,
0: I, 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 probably since um, uh, I would imagine that um, uh, almost every race that uh, Giacomo Agostini won was, uh, but uh, that was quite a different era. Yeah, we're going back 30, 40 years there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the I mean, were you surprised to see? Um, Marquez hang with Lorenzo for so long because obviously this is a track a little bit like Mugello. This is the kind of track where uh, where the Honda has really struggled this year with the with a braking problem with the uh, uh, with the rear sliding which, which he hasn't been able to control.
1: Yeah, yeah. For in some ways, yes, there, there did look to be points in the weekend where the kind of uh, the problems that hindered Honda so badly in Le Mans, uh, and Mugello had returned. Um, I think in turn 13 in particular, there were shots of Pedrosa and Crutchlow making all kinds of shapes on corner entry, looking very, very, you know, like they're having some severe difficulties. Um, but then, you know, Mark is able to kind of ride around those, those problems. Here, but but
0: you, now that he's got the 2014 chassis oh, back again that, exactly. and the 2000 and, and the brand new uh, swing arm, which he got, I think, after Jerez, yeah. which made a difference. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing that really surprised me was, um, I, I must say, like after Saturday qualifying, we were all saying, sitting around here and saying how excited we were. be. We were about, uh, the three front row men, um, looking so good in the race, um, I was expecting a closer fight. Um, were you surprised to see Lorenzo pull away? Uh,
0: yes and no. I was. I went through on uh, Saturday night. I went through the uh, FP3 and FP4 analysis, and uh, I mean it was clear that Lorenzo had the best pace, but the rest of them all had, uh, you know, good pace. They yeah. they looked to be close, yeah. but then Lorenzo's qualifying lap was just. Stunning stunning. To actually get round here in, in in under one fifty five, one minute fifty five is yeah. just amazing. That was something to behold.
1: I think um, at Hareth when he was his only other pole position this year he said it was pretty much one of the best laps of his career. He said the same on Saturday. Um, he made one tiny little mistake where he was maybe a little too over eager with uh, with his right hand. Something we've all been guilty of, I'm sure, in the past. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, it was it was a, a storming nap. Um, but considering what had happened the week before in Indianapolis, where, you know, Valentino made such giant strides from Saturday to Sunday, I was yep. kind of expecting him to kind of build on what he had done on Saturday.
0: Well, e- exactly, because, uh, you know, Rossi... Qualified on the front row, yeah, and this, yeah. qualifying has been his weakness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The last race that he qualified on the front row was Assen, where he sat on pole and won. Yeah. Um, and yet he, he he seemed to make a giant stride, but backwards because he was, you know, he lost three or four tenths a lap yeah. uh, from from Saturday to Sunday, which is which is uncharacteristic. But I think the the track changed a lot as well
1: okay yeah
0: yeah the, uh, the, the uh, everyone was complaining that the grip was different and the only person who seemed to uh, uh, the only person who seemed to um, manage it was, was was Jorge. he had no problem, and also the light, they didn't manage even though they, they, they smashed the, the pole record they did they couldn't well they got close to the, to the light record, but didn 't break it
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah it was it was interesting um. I think more or less in the majority of races we've seen this year, we've seen Rossi make a giant, well, uh, a significant step from Saturday to Sunday, but um, but yeah, it didn't seem to be forthcoming.
0: No, I mean they said he he said in the uh, in the press conference that they haven't really changed very much on Sunday, and uh, yeah. yeah. But then I suppose if you're happy, why would you why would you bother doing it?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the win certainly makes uh, well, especially the fact Mm -hmm. that uh, that Rossi was um, um, Rossi finished third. It means they've they're tied in the championship, and Lorenzo is back in the lead of the championship so for the first time since Qatar 2013. 847 <laughs> days, I think, we yeah, just worked out.
1: Quite ludicrous, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think now the feeling, the general feeling, is. Well, it's the feeling that I had after Le Mans where you looked at Barcelona, Mugello and Assen were the, were the the next tracks after Le Mans and you all thought, okay, Lorenzo can really do well at those places. And he had just come off two, two races in a row at Jerez and Le Mans. And, come, and here now, you look at Silverstone next up, you look at yeah. Rosano. Arrogant, maybe you know definitely. I think that would favor the Hondas, um, yeah. but you know, in kind of okay in special circumstances he won there last year. You're kind of thinking, okay, he definitely has a chance in, in the next two rounds to you know put some put some daylight between himself and his teammate.
0: Well, there's the uh, uh, I totally agree about Silverstone. You've got to fancy uh, uh, Jorge to win there. Yeah. Um, uh, Misano, I mean, uh, Valentino seems to spend every waking moment <laughs> lapping there on an R1, so it's really. Uh, 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 It's really difficult to say that there's a lot of... I wouldn't say chatter. There's a lot of sort of quiet complaining about the fact that Rossi spends all his time lapping at Misano. Yeah. Uh, but it's perfectly within the rules as long as he doesn't. Test. I think. I think he's not allowed to ride there two weeks beforehand. Is that okay? Right. right. So um, uh, as long as he stays off a bike, uh, uh, stays off a bike there. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. He's fine. I seem to remember. I think either Simone Corsi or Matteo Passini being caught out a few years ago because he had a he had a track school. He was teaching a a, a track day um, at Misano about two weeks before, or a week before Misano, and it was yeah, it was just on a CBR, it was on a CBR1000 or something. Uh But he was prevented from, um, he was penalised. I can't remember the exact penalty anymore, but uh, he was penalised for uh, for actually riding at Misano when he was um, uh, when he was not supposed to be. So it could potentially be an issue.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, that that is interesting. I uh, I don't know. I know last year he won. Um, you won there, um, but I think you know the, the previous few years. Um, 2000, and, uh, I think it was 2013 when Lorenzo yeah. was kind of building up that head of steam. I remember looking at this lap chart that race, and every single lap was within maybe eight tenths of a second of each other yeah. of, of one another. Sorry, and um, you know you definitely would have to say that that would be an interesting race to see which Yemen yeah, can come on top. Yeah, so exactly. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I would think. Uh, I would say the next the next two races are definitely going to be uh, where Lorenzo can kind of build up ahead of steam.
0: And then it's the, the championship could have a completely different complexion within the next couple of weeks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Well, the I mean, it it it's still looks like the championship is going to be between um, uh, uh, the two Yamaha men. But what about Marc Marquez? Can we write him off for the championship? In my opinion, no. Just because he is Mark Marquez, Um,
1: but from what we've seen this year, um, I think it's very, very unlikely, and it would probably be one of the most incredible feats in you know MotoGP history for for him to do this. Um, I still think, when you look at World Championships in general, I still think there's going to be one race where you know Rossi, something you know, if it isn't a mistake that he makes, some bad luck will kind of befall him. Uh, and perhaps the same could be said of Lorenzo. So, but that's the that's the thing. I guess that's going to make it so difficult for Marquez. There's two of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, it, it, it's over seven. Uh, it's over seven points a race, which uh, which Marquez needs, and um, that means it, it's. Uh, and it's the other thing is, he's 52 points on two riders. So he has yeah. to finish over seven points a race ahead of both Rossi. And uh, uh, and um, uh, uh, and Lorenzo, and yeah. that's going to be extremely difficult.
1: Exactly, yeah. especially when you consider the fact that Rossi said, you know, of his most difficult reasons, he- this year, Mugello was one of them. He was on the podium. Uh, I think yesterday was one of them. He was on the podium. Yeah. You know, it's going to take something quite spectacular
0: to to, to alter that. Yeah, I think that's been one of the most impressive things about about Rossi's season. Just the fact that he's always on the podium. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, I also think that, my, that that one of the problems that I see from Marquez is that the Honda is still uh, not fixed. It still no. has the problems. No. It's they still um, uh, overloading the front. When the rear is giving problems with braking, yeah, and uh, well, you saw it here. Everyone, all of the Hondas crashed over the front. Well, apart from uh, Danny Pedrosa, who crashed. when he's yeah. he'll be blue, Pedrosa, a, a man who really can't get a break. Uh.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it seems to be to have been that way since uh, since his graduation to the class really. And, yeah, you know, maybe from 2007 onwards, he, he's kind of suffered similar similar atrocious luck. Um, but yeah, I think you know, you look at Marquez, what he's been doing. It's always been impressive. He was still right with Jorge on Friday, and then it was only yesterday when he came out in the press conference and said that, you know, general pace, average pace was, you know, 0.8 to one second off Lorenzo. So, you know, it's he's always been able to kind of, boot, you know, be there in the timesheets. Um, but again, it's that consistency, isn't it, you know, yeah. just being able to do it over a, a full race distance that has been his Achilles heel in a lot of races this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I thought was quite interesting was his post race comments when he was interviewed in Park Fermi. I think he might have said Valentino's name, well, Rossi, um, close to seven or eight times. Yeah nothing was really about the fact that uh, you know he finished second and that was a great shame it was about everything was about the fact that he had finished ahead of rossi and how delighted he was that he had finished ahead of rossi how much of a great achievement that was finishing ahead of rossi and i don't know just looking from um, you know kind of looking from the outside into the press conference you can definitely tell there is still some tension between that pair uh,
0: so the uh, you think there's still some niggle left over from 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 assen perhaps Absolutely. or from uh, yeah yeah and
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm intrigued to see when that that niggle will begin between the two yamaha guys I, I think it
0: uh, I think between the two Yamaha riders, I don't think it's going to happen, and I I think it's not going to happen between the two Yamaha riders because they've already been there. You know, they've been there in 2009. It's a different time, and they both they both know exactly what to expect from each other, which is nothing. Yeah. uh, They both want to win the championship. I really think that I can see Marquez. Um, playing a role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: But are you telling me that uh, you know if the, the two Yamaha guys go to Valencia with you know five, ten points per difference, that uh, there's not going to be any any niggles
0: or, or uh, yeah. uh, uh, um, niggles? I think they will both <laughs> really want to be, to beat each other, but I think it will be. Uh, I don't think they will be bothering with the the silly little psychological yeah. war first. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or what so, about you, David? Yeah. Do you think uh, Marquez'
0: chances are? No, I think it, it, it's it, it's virtually zero. Like yeah. I say. Seven points a race. Uh, that's it, it's just mathematically too uh, too difficult. They would need a lot of help from Pedrosa. Yeah. They would basically need Pedrosa to um, uh, finish second behind him yeah. for the next several races. And there are still too many problems with the Honda. There's still going to be tracks where the Honda is going to struggle breaking into the front into fast corners. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you look back to 2006. Valentino Rossi came back from a long way. Uh, came to Valencia with the title within his reach, and yeah. he still managed to crash out yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and 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 lose the title. So, yeah. it's I, I think it, this. Too many imponderables, too much pressure. It's it's just it's just too difficult. Unless uh, um, Lorenzo takes Rossi out, or Rossi takes Lorenzo out, and they both break a leg and uh, and miss two races. That's yeah. the only way that I see it being open again.
1: Yeah, and I think as someone commented in Rossi's debrief on Friday, you know, even if Danny Petroza had that little James Bond button on his handlebar, which you know kind of put the oil in the tracks and forced Rossi to crash, you know, Rossi still came back, finished third. <laughs> so didn't quite yeah. work. Um, Man of the match. Who do you think? Uh, well, I don't think this one is too difficult. I would go for Mr. Vinyales for his performances throughout the weekend. Uh, seventh place in qualifying around the track that was just—it should be, you know, totally unsuited. Uh, not totally unsuited, but you know, the, the, the kind of the, the horsepower hill, the back, yeah. back part of the track. You know, the Suzuki shouldn't be, shouldn't have any reason to be, uh, to be kind of in and around the top ten, comfortably in front of uh, his teammates throughout the weekend. Um, I loved his quotes after the race, where he was asked if he was kind of disappointed, if he was a bit down, and he was just anything but. He was, uh, you know, you could see he was he was pumped. You, know? yeah. you could tell from from the way he was speaking that he felt that the weekend had been great. I think the moment he crashed, he was upwards in the region of like 15 seconds ahead of Alish yeah. as Um and you know there's there's been a kind of consistent building in Mavericks season um, I remember at Hareth he was really frustrated after the race because he had got a bad start after a bad qualifying he spent a lot of the race getting in a big battle with the two Pramic bikes and Scott Redding, I think, and he just couldn't make any headway from that. And he was saying then, "I need to focus on getting my qualifying sorted and getting my starts sorted." He has been in Q one or Q two, I think, for the past uh, seven, past couple of races. And then he made a he made a good start. And he said he had a good first lap, and that made
0: all the di- all the difference. Yeah, um, exactly. I think. Uh, I think. Suzuki have done a really good job in bringing him on because they, I remember at the start of the season, they were basically, um, they didn't give him too much to fiddle around with the electronics, they gave him, you know, yeah. one setting, you gave him this setting. Yeah. And then a little bit further on, they gave him, you know, a two tr- traction control settings so yeah. he could get in between the traction control settings. Yeah, yeah. And then they gave him another engine braking team. Yeah. so they're bringing him along, and he's uh, simulating and, and, and doing all the rest. Yeah. And he's going; uh, he's really made some fantastic progress, yeah. and he's, he's easily outperforming his, his teammate. Although yeah. Aleish seems to really have gone backwards, he said himself that he'd yeah. gone, uh, uh, he'd <clears throat> basically taken two steps backwards over, uh, over the summer. Yeah. They can't get that bike. It, he can't get that bike to turn as soon as basically the neutral, neutral throttle yeah. um, uh, uh, break off and before you open the throttle to start accelerating the bike won't turn which is bizarre because the, 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 that, that Suzuki is such a sweet handling thing it yeah. Can, yeah. you know, it, it ride around. it's running circles around everything else Yeah, yeah, exactly and Maverick um, I think I asked him on Friday whether the people have
1: been complaining about the bumps around the Brno track and I think Crutzler was saying turns 1, 3, 8, 11 and 13 were all Terrible this year, and I asked Maverick about that. Was that affecting the film of his front end? You know, because it was so dependent on on you know kind of quick cor- corner entry. And he said, no, front is handling like a dream. You yeah, know, everything's everything's great. Yeah, bumps aren't affecting me at all.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he's looks a lot mm-hmm. like uh, Jorge Lorenzo. Um same corner speed uh yeah. same uh management yeah. also that it's the suzukis which like the uh tires with the edge treatment to uh-huh. to, to, to make it a little bit softer That's so right. it, it, you know it, it it's the, it's the same sort of thing. exactly i also like the fact that um um he um, he said afterwards that uh because he crashed out of the race yep. but he crashed out um trying to get another another couple of places. Yeah, exactly. Children, nothing Yeah, exactly. Full marks for effort.
1: Yeah, exactly. You think like, okay, right. and That, that wasn't like a rash decision. That was, uh, okay, I've I finished the first 10 races in the points. I think he's the only class yeah. rookie in MotoGP to, do, to have done that. Um, and he thought, okay, you know, I've, I've put in some consistent finishes. I've proved that I can be a lower end of top 10 rider now Let's see if we can do the top six, you yeah. know, or top seven. It would have been uh, yesterday if he had, yeah. uh, had caught and passed the two tech three Yamaha's. Just one other thing. Um, we were speaking to Cal Crustle very briefly on Friday. We were asking him about Maverick, we know he's a big fan. And yeah, he was saying that next year he expects with some improvements with this or to the Suzuki. Um, he says he doesn't expect to see Maverick. On the podium, let's say, but he says he expects to see him fighting for that and yeah. for his first, a rider's uh, second MotoGP season, on a bike that isn't one of, you know, the Repsol Honda's or maybe sorry, Yamaha's. That would be quite a feat. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think if, if we could make one change to MotoGP right now, it would be giving the Suzuki's 20 more horsepower.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And one final thing. I already said that, but another thing he was mentioning yesterday that he believes a little bit of extra power and the seamless gearbox would be worth six tenths of a second. Yeah. In which case he would have been fine with the Ianoni yesterday. So that's yeah. quite an interesting prospect So my man in the meeting would be Maverick. What yeah. about you, David?
0: For me, uh, Danny Pedrosa. The amount of pain that he was in on Saturday was astonishing, and to get through, he said he said he was riding like an amateur on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, screaming his th- helmet. Yeah, and yeah. screaming in his helmet. Yeah, exactly. The the the, the foot he damaged is still uh, he damaged it in 2003. It's one of those riders' injuries which is just just awful, and never uh, really uh, never really healed properly. Uh, he didn't want an injection directly <coughs> into the uh, into the foot because of the amount of damage which is in there, which goes to tell you how much what a mess it must be internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, to actually come through, uh, fight its way forward, uh, get almost to fourth. That's really impressive. Absolutely, yeah. Well, turning to next year, the silly season kicked off in earnest at Bruneau. Yes, um, uh a year again. Yeah, exact yeah. Well, uh, normally it's about sort of three months later, but there's no factory rides on offer. Yeah. But there are factory contracts because it seems that um, Danny Kent could well be going to Pramac. Yes,
1: that seems like an interesting, a very interesting proposition, which I think caught a lot of people off guard. Um, I was speaking to Danny after qualifying in Indianapolis, and he mentioned that there was he potentially could be interested in going to Modu GP. Um and then since emerged uh, that he. Had an offer from Pramik, um which Pramek then confirmed to me on friday night mm. um, which is a three-year deal for him um, it would be a board machinery that isn't quite obviously the highest spec level that the we that Ian-only would have, but a level just below.
0: Exactly. It would be an, basically an Ian-only deal, yeah, which is a really good deal because it means you've got really strong factory support. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also, because it's a three-year deal, it means you've got a, a year to learn, a yes. year to make mistakes, and that's yeah. uh, the uh, same as Jack Miller. Yeah. Uh, Jack Miller is sort of up and down, yeah. um, but he, at least he can ride without pressure without having to get results this year because he knows that there's that there's something next year. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I think... Um,
1: um, it was Francesco Guidotti, the team manager of, of Pramac Racing, uh, that, that I was speaking to. Uh, he was telling me that um, Ducati have also um, been interested in, you know, kind of overseeing what's been what's been said um, in this in this discussion. And Guidotti was saying that Kent has really impressed him with with how he's approached the discussions. Everything has been about the long term. Yeah. Nothing has been about short term kind of gains. He's thinking, you know, two three years down the line uh, about how competitive he can be. Um, also the fact that Danny currently is operating without a manager yeah. um, so he's basically doing all the discussions himself um, and yeah it seems like, well, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, what, what are your opinions on that of it?
0: Uh, uh, it's certainly interesting, I mean I spoke to uh, uh, Tardozzi on I think Saturday and um, what Tardozzi said was interesting in that he uh, was uh, turning the corporate line a little bit saying you know it's up to Primac. obviously we support Primac, and Primac discuss all us but it's it's up to Primac. but the other thing he said was that you know this isn't um this isn't something which you know came overnight this is something they've been thinking about for a yeah. while yeah They're, they've been uh, clearly they've kept an eye on it. i think also, I think Danny Kent, because the difference with Jack Miller is Jack Miller came in with no Moto2 sure, experience. Sure. Uh, Danny Kent has Moto2 experience. Yeah. Um, it, it was a terrible experience, but then again, it was on the it was on the Tech3 bike and the Tech3 yeah. bike, obviously, I mean, it's the bike which Guy Long designs in his lunchtime, yeah. which is not uh, quite the same as. The guys from Calyx uh, having a whole team of engineers working on the chassis exactly yeah uh, full time so and as as
1: Guidoly said um, Jack Miller okay yes has, has impressed people but maybe doesn't quite show the full dedication and commitment yeah. that Kent has certainly showed this year and oh yeah known, Kent I, yeah. I
0: think the, Kent, the the difference in Kent this year is just his attitude and he's um, he's committed to winning and I remember uh-huh. also the the year that uh, Scott Redding nearly won his two title um, uh, talking to members of the team uh, that year and the biggest difference then was um, reading changing his attitude yeah. realizing okay I want to take this seriously if I want to win I've got to take this seriously and I've got to do everything that, I've, that, that, that I need to do it and you know Kent is absolutely full- on training practicing this the the, the the difference in talent levels at this level mm. is so small yeah. that you the only way place you can make the real difference is in terms of uh, commitment. Training, dedication, yeah. uh, mental attitude, mental approach, and uh, for uh, I think Danny Kent has absolutely shown that this year. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I uh, was speaking to his crew chief Peter Baum yeah. on Saturday evening. He was talking at length about you know what Danny's been like to work with this year, and he said a lot of his successes stemmed from his ability to learn to trust his crew. Yeah. Before, a lot of, he said, even at the start of the season, when he was having some success in Argentina and in Texas, um, Danny was always asking about very specific small adjustments to the bike. Yeah. You know, front forks, settings, little different niggly things. He said it took him quite a while to just learn to trust, um, you know, the crew around him to make the changes and not occupy his mind with that, you know, just to focus 100% on what he's going to be doing on the racetrack and, you know, let the kind of technical side, you know, go to, to go to his crew. Another important step, I think, mentally. Yeah, sure.
0: yeah exactly. Uh, I think there's an interesting parallel between Kent and, uh, and Zarco in that both of them. Uh, Gone to a different team. They've gone to a structure they trust, a structure which has really managed to get the best out of yeah, them. Yeah. And they've gone from you know being competitive to being utterly, utterly dominant. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting you
1: should mention Zarko because I think Zarko was another man who had been uh, speaking to Pramac, um, but that's not looking so likely. Pramac say that Danny is the one who's sure more interested in at, at the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, there was talk that maybe Zarko would actually turn the MotoGP ride down, mm. which is uh, brave. Um, and interesting because it, he said he didn't feel ready for it. Which it, I mean, to, to, to say that it's incredibly, it's a brutally honest. I'm not sure whether it was wise. I don't know whether it's better to gamble on mm. uh, gamble on going. But the other yeah. thing is, you, if you gamble on going, you end up in a bad situation. You can yeah. completely destroy your career.
1: Yeah, yeah. Perhaps the gamble was was perhaps what he felt was not a perfect environment for him. Yeah. You know, if I'm sure, if a tech three offer had been on the table. Bizarro, like yeah. a definite offer for 2016 you would have seen a GP next year, um, but at the moment that doesn't look like it's the Speaking years.
0: of Tech 3, is Bradley's contract done yet? <laughs> uh,
1: I don't know, I'm not sure. Bradley doesn't very, give very much away, does he?
0: Well, I think it, <laughs> if you ask Curvey, he says the contract's there, all he needs is a signature, and if you ask Bradley, he says, I haven't seen a contract, I'm waiting for her to see a contract so I can sign it. So, yeah. someone isn't telling us the truth. But yeah. um, I can't see Bradley going anywhere else, and I can't see any point... Bradley's done such a fantastic job this year, yeah. why would you replace him, and who would you replace him with? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. One thing, I think Zarko is older than Bradley um, yes, you know, bringing Zarco in. That class both
0: both Zarco and Rabat are older than both um, Smith and Espargaro. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, why would you bring someone older with no experience in? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I
1: think that's. I think that's a good point. Um, I think whenever um, our colleague Peter McLaren was speaking to um, to Hervey at Barcelona, as soon as the, um, as early as then, he was kind of talking about um, wanting to retain Smith and Espargaro um, for his team next year. So, I I would find it very very strange if, if that wasn't the case
0: yeah i mean one rider who is all uh, who um we believe is moving up from moto two is sam lowes they're yep. going to the aprilia um uh, open secret it seems at the moment <laughs> yeah. and yeah. no one will confirm it but uh, yeah. uh, 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 it's a gamble going to aprilia because the bike that they have at the moment is absolutely not competitive yeah. um and you are trusting in romano alberciano's ability to build a a competitive MotoGP bike. Yep,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And we were told, I think on Friday, that that bike will not be ready
0: until November, was it? Uh, the, uh, uh, was it a private test? We were told a private test in December, okay. uh, uh, which will be a shakedown. Yeah. Obviously, you want to do that privately because silly little things like coolant hoses which don't fit properly and all sorts of other things, yeah, all yeah. the things which you haven't realised. Uh, aren't going to work until you've actually been around a track a few times, yeah. and you don't want to be uh, doing that kind of silly embarrassment in front of the press. Yeah. Um, its first public outing will be Valencia uh, not Valencia, Sepang yeah. Sep- February Sepang next year. Okay. Yeah. And you know,
1: you'd have to imagine, you know, in an ideal world, you want to have the three days after the the Valencia round, the final round of the season, to you know get your impressions and give some feedback and what needs to be done ahead of the year, ahead of the, the following year. Um yeah, it's an interesting one. Although, you know, I think um Lowe's has spent an awful lot of time on the six hundred. Um but I think I think, you know, in terms of self belief Termination. I, yeah. think, I think you know he could he could make a really interesting
0: model, G P R. Right well, I, I, it's certainly an ideal combination because it, uh, a little bit like um, uh, Suzuki, where you have someone with experience uh, in yeah. Bautista, yeah. Uh, together with um, someone who you're looking at for the long term. I think were the in, uh, in terms of lows, you're talking about uh, again a two or a three year deal, yeah. uh, which would you know a year of experience and a year to start. Also. Same with Danny Kent. If there's a year that you want uh, that you're going to change the switch to GP, yep. it's 2016. New yep. electronics, new tyres. Um, every you start on a much from a, a, a much lower yeah. base, a much closer base. Exactly. Uh, you, you're not riding against guys who've been on the Bridgestones for the past, yeah. you know, since 2008, 2009. Yeah. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. and you have to say, like, you know, the, the factory MotoGP guys next year they won't be starting from zero, but you'll definitely be starting a lot just as you said uh, at a closer level than, 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 than normal, normal years
0: yeah, yeah the, the, uh, as for the rest of the field that seems a lot more complicated I asked yeah. Jarvis and uh, supo about the bikes on the grid next year Lynn Jarvis <coughs> confirmed there'll be four bikes the uh, four Yamahas on the grid the forward bikes are going away because um, they just don't have the Uh, ability to prepare the bikes, Uh, they don't have the um, uh, the manpower. Honda will be uh, supplying seven bikes Uh, again should be a much closer spec than the open Honda's this year which, which will make be difficult, let's face it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. So yeah. It, it should certainly be a much more attractive option. But where all of those various bikes are, especially the Hondas, yeah. where the Hondas yeah. end up, it could be a real, it's, it's guesswork.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Bradley Smith was saying that yesterday, wasn't he? He was saying that uh, the fact that no one really knows which Honda's going to be on which team at the moment is yeah. kind of... I don't know whether he was insinuating that um, that maybe someone in Tech 3 was still hopeful of maybe Picking someone from uh, from one of those Honda teams, I'm not sure, but he he believed that that was another reason that his contract was being held up. Yeah, yeah. just in
0: case someone tasty came up. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Well, uh, it wouldn't be Jack Miller because Jack Miller's on yes. a three-year HRC contract, and he'll be um, uh, uh, he will go wherever HRC puts him. He'll either stay at LCR or go to Aspar. Sure.
1: Um, I have uh, to imagine it wouldn't be Crutch though, because by all well, intents and purposes. He's going to be staying.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems there was lots and lots of talk about Crutchlow maybe also going to uh, uh, being asked by Ducati to um, go to uh, Pramac, uh, mm-hmm. Though it seems more that it was Cal talking to Ducati did, than so. Ducati yeah. talking to um, uh, talking to, uh, to Cal. Yes. Um, <laughs> it seems almost certain that Cal's going to be on a Honda, and you know he's yeah. done uh, he's done a decent job on what is uh, on what is. A, a Very difficult bike to ride, yeah, exactly. I think, um, I think it was maybe Paolo Chiobadi
1: said on Friday to a, a journalist that, um, had missed his deadline to, to give Jacadi an answer yeah. and therefore was out of the running. But Cal was quite insistent on putting that right and said that uh, he actually had informed Jacadi and just told him that he didn't want to, to, to move across, right? So, yeah. So I think he's going to be staying with Honda for sure,
0: um, and I imagine it will be with with, um, with team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously they're going to lose their title sponsor next year. The uh, yeah. the the owner of, of of the company is just too tainted, <laughs> um, uh, and it's not even sure whether he will have any money. Whether whether he would be allowed to put any money into a team. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm not entirely sure that Honda would be all that keen on being associated with. Uh, uh, a gentleman currently under investigation. Yeah, you can't uh, imagine. Tom. No, um, Aspar. <sighs> yeah, it's a bit of an open market at the moment. We, it seems. It's. It's. Yeah. Yeah, we sp- we spoke to Gene and Boxall, and all he confirmed was that, um, that they'd agreed with um, uh, they'd agreed with Honda that they could have the bikes. Yes. There's just the small matter of actually finding the money to pay for it. Yes. yes. That's true. Um, um,
1: Spanish uh, Spanish journalists told me yes that Tito ba- Tito Rabat was one of the the riders in the running for that I think you guys have maybe heard that also from somewhere
0: yeah uh, Tito, it's clear that Tito really wants to
1: come to MotoGP yeah he's yeah he's not going to be staying in, in Moto2 next year by the side of things no. uh, he wants to make that he wants to make that that, that step up um, and then there were some reports today linking him to Mark VDS.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, the, uh, we spoke to what well, GP, of course. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. We spoke to we spoke to Marco Bartolomei several races ago, uh, and he said, you know, if I can get a second bike, if I can get uh, a second bike with the uh, fully funded, with, which means uh, free tires and the transport costs uh-huh. uh, uh, paid, which is worth one point something million, yeah. uh, then he would happily put uh, Tito on a second bike. Okay. Um, but it it, it it depends on getting the um, Putting the whole package together—that's going to be—that's going to be difficult.
1: Can, at the moment, can you see Miller staying where he is in Lucio's team, or do you foresee him moving across to another team? with I think the Miller. I think team?
0: Miller goes wherever wherever Honda puts him. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, M- M- Miller. Miller. Uh, Miller's on an HRC contract. HRC are paying for his crew chief. They're paying for his bike. They're paying for his crew. Uh-huh. Um, uh, anyone who's in need, who's short of funds, will put him on. But that. Currently, that's almost every Honda satellites team on the on the grid at the moment. so, yeah. so we'll we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, rumours emerged this weekend linking um, Stefan Braddle to World Superbike return with BMW. Um, it's Believe that BMW want to secure an all-German um, team to compete next year with Marcus Reiterberger mm-hmm. who is, I think, acquitted himself yeah, quite well. Yeah, Reiderberger. Uh, I
0: think he's won that the, the silly BMW Cup, which they <laughs> they organised internally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, also. Some
1: suspicions that, that Stefan could go back to Moto Two.
0: Yeah, I think if he doesn't go to World Superbikes, I can definitely see him going back to Moto Two. And in, you know, if he goes in, if he goes back to Moto Two in a good uh, in a good structure, there is no reason why he can't win the championship again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you feel sorry for Bravo because basically, if Forward had stayed on the grid, he would have been, you know, no doubt, he would have stayed where, he's, where he was on the same bike and would have had a much better season uh, in 2016 than he yeah. had this year. Yeah. He just ran into. Um, an unfortunate string of career coincidences. Yeah, yeah, and you can see, you know, it's
1: only taken him um, even in, in certain free practice sessions in Indianapolis. He'd barely been in the bike more than an hour, two hours, and he was already right lapping around back to his time. Yeah, absolutely,
0: so, yeah. yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, he got up to speed really, really quickly. Uh, it, what it shows mostly is the limit of the bike. Yeah, so, but yeah, and at least we got rid of Marco Malandri and <laughs>
1: Yes, also um, with Tito, more than likely to be stepping up to MotoGP. Who is getting that second Mark PDS spot in Moto2? We were kind of uh, speculating uh, over breakfast. Um, during the weekend, and it was almost as if we just pinned a Moto2 result sheet to a wall and started throwing darts at it, you know, which name is going to go where.
0: (coughs) Yeah, but quite good darts, because because they were all from the top of the list and not down the bottom of the list. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's why I wasn't throwing any darts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, there there, there's lots of names. uh, uh, Michael Barcellini wouldn't tell us who it was, but he he said uh, we have to wait for Mijana to make the announcement. Um, But uh, what was his phrase? Something like... When you hear who it is, you will say, "Ah, he's a clever man." Uh-huh. But, uh, so put
1: yourself in his shoes. Who, who, if you were in his shoes, who would you be looking at in Modo Two to
0: replace Tito? Uh, Egata. Yeah. I think Domi Egata has done a really good job this year. Franco Morbidelli has done a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So is Alex Rins, but Alex Rins is is mm-hmm. tied up. Um, yeah with Lois
1: not being there, you know, uh, he would be a contender, but he, you know, obviously that's not really... Yeah, happen. exactly. I yeah. mean, the
0: people, the, the, the people you put on that bike, uh, there's only really sort of three, maybe four names that, that are actually yeah. Uh, available. So. Yeah, Morbidelli would definitely get my vote. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I, I'm hoping that it's... Um, <coughs> I was, I was, I'm really hoping that it is Morbidelli because I think he really deserves a top bike, good team. Um, yeah. I think he could do. I think he could do a fantastic job. He's he, he's come a long way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. And and Lowe's was offered a contract. It, it seems uh, in that Cardiff team. Well, that's. I mean, I think definitely. Um, Lowe's has proven certainly this year that uh, that he's more than capable. If you look at what he's doing compared to anyone else on the speed up, he's yeah. you know 10, 15 places further forward and, yeah. and, and a second, uh, the better part of a second, a lap faster. So yeah. there's there's no doubt that Lowe's is an absolute quality rider. And if he didn't go to Moto G if he wasn't going to MotoGP, no question that you put Sam Lowe's on that boat
1: mm, Absolutely, yeah. And speaking of speed up, uh, rumored this weekend that Romano Fanati is one of the riders that is going to climb up from Moto3 to that speed up. Uh, Chassis next year. Yeah,
0: well, that's going to be interesting. But Finardi desperately has to has to improve his qualifying because he can get away with it in Moto Three. Yeah. But uh, I remember speaking to uh, uh, Kenny Noyes nice, um, when he had a couple of difficult years in Moto Two. And Kenny was always saying, um, "If you think it's bad at the front, uh, mm-hmm. it's rough at the front. You should see the battle for 23rd. <laughs> Especially the battle for points is absolutely murderous. Yeah. Um, there are no no holes barred, no prisoners taken. Yeah. It's uh, it's absolute bloodbath around there yeah, because it's yeah. so important to get the points.
1: Yeah, I think I heard Dennis noise, uh Referring to the Moto Two, kind of mid-pack field as, as you know, wild animals eating, you know, raw meat with their hands. Um, so I think that gives you some indication of of what the, what that valve is like for a final. Yeah. The speaking, final few speaking
0: of which, um, <coughs> uh, best wishes to Kenny Noyes. Absolutely. Who, yes. uh, um, uh, hope he makes a full recovery. Yep. Okay, well, okay. The last we heard is he he's regained consciousness and he's starting to talk. So hopefully he'll be better soon. Yep. Absolutely. Turning to Moto Three. Uh, um, People moving uh, moving up. Obviously, Efrain Vasquez has to move up. I think he has to go to. Yeah, I think he's off to QMMF. QMMF.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's what I've heard. Absolutely. Yeah, Danny obviously will not be there. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most intriguing uh, matters in Moto Three is where Fabio Quartararo will end up.
0: Exactly because there's, there was a lot of talk about um, uh, his manager wanting out of the Estrella Galicia, the Monlau structure, and into uh, somewhere else. You, he's had three offers.
1: Yeah, three offers, which two I think are Honda. Uh, Honda teams and one is a KTM team, so I, I imagine Leopard um, Kiefer is one of those teams for sure, yeah. absolutely sure. Um, the others I'm not so sure about, um, but yes, I think you know Fabio is one of those riders along with Bastianini. Next year, you would have to say would be serious, serious title contender.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you've got to say that KTM uh, will want Quattararo mm. because you know they live by selling race bikes. Absolutely. And uh, you need a you need a fast rider on them. Um, uh, you need a fast rider on the. Um, you need a faster rider on, on your bike to get the results to be able to sell, uh, sell the bike so everyone else to prove it this was sort of something that uh, Moto2 chassis makers were always telling me I wish I had a faster bike on uh, uh, faster rider on our bike because then uh, you know we'd better feedback and um, okay. all the rest of it okay
1: uh, Hiroki Ono uh, I think Kiefer are going to just run two Moto3 bikes in 2016 Hiroki Ono um, fairly handy at the start of the year decent year in the C V last year but since really failed to make any real Impression on the since to to make any real impression on the uh quarter three title, um, championship, championship standings. Yeah. He is thought to be going to Kai Redeem's team, mm. um, yes, and then
0: well, Juan Mira is moving in from moving up from CEV to uh, the Well, Leopard Kiefer and uh, Miguel
1: Oliveira is currently looking for the right Moto2 seat. Uh, He he feels the time is right, perhaps to move up there. But he said he's also looking at that uh, Moto3 as well. So
0: it's difficult. I mean, Moto2 is such a shark pool that if you don't get on the right bike, then you then you could be in in a real mess. Yeah, exactly. And you just have to look at someone like Sandro Cortese.
1: Yeah. You know how easy it is to get lost in that field.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, that's about it. Um, Thank you very much, Neil, and thank everyone for listening. Thanks, David.